0: So what are some of the essential terms in the lease when you are looking at a commercial property? Some of the things to be aware of, some of the things to check during due diligence, and mostly what are some of the preliminary things you should know about before you enter a commercial property deal? Listen to this podcast and I'll walk you through three essential clauses in the lease so that you know how they affect your lease and your relationship with your tenant. Essential terms in your commercial property lease. So there's obviously lots and lots of terms that are essential in your commercial property lease, like uh, what is permitted for use, trading hours, the type of business, uh, anything to do with uh, adding additions to the property in terms of fit out, in terms of extensions, in terms of mezzanine floors, as well as the length of the lease. When do you go to market review? How do you determine market rent? Uh, Lease reviews every year, so yearly lease reviews as well as uh, any incentives the tenant gets from the vendor and, of course, at the property and how they should take care of the property outgoings that they pay. So there's lots and lots of different clauses in a lease. A lot of the leases do have standard clauses that go across like default and properties fit for use and and the tenants should maintain the property and maintaining air conditioning. And a lot of those things are standard. So if you read 10 or 20 leases, all of those things start to make sense over time. However, this podcast is about focusing on three essential terms I mean there's many essential terms often there's 20 essential terms in a lease and they and they like to list them towards the end of the lease to say that if any other uh any other clauses are written down or broken it doesn't affect the essential terms but I like to focus on three and these are the three main ones I do focus on when I look at the preliminary uh, when I look at the property preliminarily uh, to see if it stacks up and then I look at more closely during the due diligence process of course this is not exhaustive and there's many other uh, clauses that we'll explore in future podcasts but number one the one thing I always look at is outgoings so this is the number one clause I go to straight away as soon as I get the co- the contract or the lease. So it depends sometimes I don't get the the lease in full before I make an offer. They only give us snippets of it. I rather I give them a um, a more of a I guess a contract uh, and with a images of the, f- the schedule of the lease. So the first thing I allude to is I go to the outgoing section. So the outgoing section lists how much of the outgoings the tenant pays. So if the tenant occupies, say, a percentage of the property, so let's say 26% or 69% or 72%, then they pay a proportion to that. So it actually has a percentage. And if you have a multi-tenant, I like to add up the percentages to make sure it makes adds up to 100. Or sometimes it adds up to over 100 and we have to adjust it. Uh, sometimes it's just under by 1% and we have to figure out why. And sometimes it's just an additional error. So that's the one thing I like to check. Then after that, I wanna go to the definition section of the lease and find out what exactly is part of the outgoings. So that's usually in the definition section or it's in a separate clause in the lease on outgoings. And it talks about how outgoings are treated and it talks about what outgoings are covered. So there's usually a list of all the outgoings and they'll list things like levies, like strata levies, admin fees, sinking fund. They'll talk about things that are excluded. They'll talk about land tax, so they'll say, All outgoings are paid excluding land tax or excluding management fees or including management fees. They may talk about maintenance. They may talk about servicing of plants and equipment. So for example, you have, let's say a water heater, or you have a air conditioning unit, or perhaps you have specialty equipment in there that needs to be serviced. All of those things uh, are in the outgoing section. Perhaps you have to treat the, the property for Um, let's say for pests every 12 months, that should also be there as well as things such as uh, maybe you needed to do the gardening or or something like that. So all of those things should be listed in that section of the lease. And I want to make sure I check it to make sure it has all the things listed. And if there's things like insurance, that's not listed, land tax, that's not listed, management fees, I tend to then think how much additional cost is that going to be out of pocket for the purchaser? or yourself if you are actually buying the property which is why I always look at the outgoing section and even if an agent tells me that yes tenant pays all the outgoings I will always check that section before I make an offer just to make sure. So that's the number one important section to me. Now number two is I like to look at the schedule of the lease. So this is not a not so much a whole thing about one particular clause what i like to do is i look at the schedule of the lease and i like to skim through it so that's usually at the front of the lease or it's right at the back of the lease so i skim through it to see that all the essential terms are listed so this is going to show you the length of the lease any options any guarantors any bond of course outgoings any kind of rent, tenant rental incentives. Sometimes is listed there, sometimes it's not. Any special features or fit outs that's been added to the property, uh, the permitted use, uh, and also things like when they need to exercise their option, as well as any specialist equipment or extension that may be made for this property. Any unusual clauses should also technically be there, but not always there. So the other thing that I do check for is um, I look at the once I look at the schedule and I check through all those things I check for things on that schedule for things like bond personal guarantee now bond or personal guarantee you can have one or the other you don't have to have both sometimes you don't have any of those depending on the type of tenant so if you have a brand name tenant often they don't give you any of those Oh, sometimes you have a medical tenant and they don't give you any of those so um, it's tenant specific so you don't always get a bond and a guarantee and sometimes you don't get a guarantee or a bond um, or you get one or the other so you need to look through it and I always check for the rental increases again just to match up what the information memorandum says and what the agent tells you so if it's three percent or CPI And then I check, of course, if it's been applied, and that's something to do during due diligence. I check through things like uh, any things to do with the rental and and especially tenant incentives so sometimes when they start the lease the vendor often will give them a rent-free period now that can be half rent for six months or rent free for three months or they could exempt them from outgoings or they could give them a reduced rent so maybe half rent or maybe you know one thousand dollars for the first three months and then it goes up to two and a half or it can be that they're putting in a grease trap or they're putting in a partition wall or they're putting in exhaust they're putting fitting it out with air conditioning Uh, all of the things. It could add up to giving them the tenant incentives now the reason I look at that uh, is that that potentially could cost you money if it's not settled at settlement so as you are not paid out so the vendor doesn't pay you out that incentive or if there is additional obligations that is ongoing so maybe you have to make sure that the plant and equipment or the specialty equipment that's there or left behind is serviced every six months or that uh, the air condition is serviced every six months or that you have to replace, let's say, sliding doors every five years or 10 years. You may have to paint the premise, depending on the type of tenant. Then that is an ongoing obligation. You again need to work out how much that costs. Now, I like to find that clause and I will then like to go to the corresponding section. So it might be, say, clause 15, uh, and that's listed in the schedule. I like to then go to clause 15 of the lease and read it and see exactly what that is and what that's implication to you. Now, it may be none because if the rent-free period has been served and gone, that's fine. It may be something that's ongoing. So sometimes rent-free is one month a year uh, for the next five years. Well, if you're buying the property in year three, you still have to honour two months rent-free and you want to get that adjusted as settlement. And that's one of the clauses I look at is definitely the tenant incentives, how that's been served and clarifying that it's been done. And I find that really essential because it's ultimately about capital works and what is yours and what is the tenant at the end of the day. And then, of course, I look at then the one other clause I look at and I pay attention to is the make good clause. Now, this is not so important if you have a run of the mill, say, office tenant or that you have a, let's say, a gym tenant in a warehouse or even in a retail space uh, or an office tenant in a retail space. Now, it does apply if you have someone that's going to be a hairdresser, a beauty therapist, allied health like a dentist, uh, or if you have a... um, a tenant that is going to extensively fit this out for their purpose so they may be putting in different partitions they might be putting in totally you know uh, painting the whole place including the outside of it the adding in particular signage they may uh, also be putting in specialty equipment or like kitchens and if you're doing retail they might be putting in kitchens and everything associated with that they may be doing an extensive 200 or three hundred thousand dollar fit out so for example if you have hairdressers they're going to have plumbing against the wall have um, anything to do with a, a nail or hairdressing salon or, or, or beauty salon you might find that if they're sharing that premise that you know parts of it going to be partitioned off they're going to have specialist uh, kind of you know dryers and, and things that's going to keep going so they need kind of special power or they need like the Uh, They need uh, additional power points. You'll find they need air conditioning in different places and basins in different areas. So that, when it's left behind, doesn't work so well. But it, but it works really well where if the tenant's putting the money in and it means that they're actually staying there for the long term. But if they were to leave and that fit-out's left behind, well, it could cost you tens of thousands of dollars to strip that fit-out out. The same goes with if you have a specialty tenant in there. So let's say you have a bakery tenant and they've got your cool rooms and they have the... Um, They have the cool rooms and that they have the say their ovens and they have their shelves all of that to be stripped out could cost twenty thousand dollars in a small shop let alone a large shop Uh, and this could also apply to things like a dentist or even Uh, particular type of uh, government type of tenant that comes in and fit it out for office space so have particular types of flooring particular type of partitioning they might especially coat the windows all of those things ultimately ends up costing you money to fit to actually rip them out at the time it looks great because the tenant's spending heaps of money in terms of the commercial fit out but ultimately um, when they leave that's when it becomes a headache so you've got to be careful of that and that's one thing i always check to make sure it's got a strong fit a make good clause regarding the fit out especially if it's a specialty fit out if it's a run-of-the-mill fit out, i'm not so concerned because then it becomes versatile so an office space with Say you have a hundred square meter office space and the tenant comes in, puts two boardrooms or two office spaces in there. Well, at the end of it, I don't really want them to rip it out because it actually adds value to the property. I can rent it out to another tenant quite easily by just showing them what's already there. They can just come in and plug themselves in. It's more like plug and play. Now if you have a hairdressing salon and they leave and you've got a new hairdresser in there again you don't need to do anything with the fit out again plug and play. Same with dentists allied health or other type of similar type of tenant but where it goes for change of use where it goes from a hairdresser to a dentist or from a dentist then to an office tenant that is where it becomes an issue. Now to convert that firstly obviously there's some issues you, you might need run into with the council with compliance for use or disability access if you need to put a gun Government tenant in, or if you have a normal toilet and you need to convert it to a disability toilet. But apart from that, one of your main things is that to change that fit out can literally cost you twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars to rip it out, and then for them to refit it out for their purpose could cost another hundred, hundred fifty thousand. So that's a lot of costs. And an incoming tenant may not be prepared to pay for that cost. So you've got to make sure there's a strong make good clause so that If your old tenant is leaving, you can come to an agreement what they rip out and what they leave behind. And also then what you can rent the premise out to another tenant and whether that fit out is going to add extra value to your property or not. So if it's going to add value to it to your property and that by being there you can rent the property out for a little bit more or that those assets can be depreciated or that ultimately the property uh, are actually is in a better condition because of that fit out. So for example a disability toilet or a mezzanine floor could really add more letable area in terms of the mezzanine floor. Disability toilet allows you to have government type tenant in there then it's worthwhile for you to actually negotiate with the tenant to keep it and sometimes to even keep that that fit out in there you may want to actually pay the tenant out of the fit out you might give them an extra twenty thirty thousand dollars at the end which isn't really nothing but it saves your tenant the money to to rip it out and it gives them some compensation for them spending a huge amount of money in the beginning. So it's all a bit of give and take when it comes to make good so you really have to be careful of the make good provision. Now a lot of agents aren't aware of that so you have to really be on top of it for to do it otherwise it is going to cost you money. So one of the big things to do if you do want to site your property at any time during the time you own it apart from the first time you bought the property, used to fly up there when your tenant's about to leave, check out what's in the fit out, look at what the condition is. Of course, you can get a condition report and everything from the agent, but it may be actually worthwhile for you to go up there, see it, cite it, work out a plan of what you want to keep, what you don't want to keep, communicate that clearly to your outgoing tenant so that then you can have photos of what's left behind and then you know exactly how to tenant that property. So, all in all those are the three clauses I look for uh, and predominantly check in the lease before I make an offer and um, especially in more detail when I go through due diligence of course I read through the lease in all from beginning to end word for word during our due diligence period and we have a specialist due diligence team who does that but in the beginning, when I make an offer, I check on those things as well. So if you are looking for someone to handhold you through the process and you don't know which, how and which property to buy and how you should get started and you're really looking for someone not to just give you a property so that you just buy the one, the first property that comes along, but you actually want someone to help you with a strategy so that you can build out a portfolio rather than just one shot property, then... Helen Tarrant Commercial Property cash flow is the best way for you to go. So reach out to me at HelenTarrant.com and find me on unicorn.com.au. Multiple ways to find me. I've got a YouTube channel. I've got multiple podcasts. And you can reach out to me, get on a strategy session and I can walk you through and personalize commercial property for you and how you can build out a successful portfolio that replaces your active income with your passive income. So reach out to me helentarrant.com or helen at commercialpropertycashflow.com.au. Thank you. And I look forward to speaking with you in the next podcast. Bye for now. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune into the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.